The infrastructure bill continues to be put on hold. Inflation continues to increase. And what is going on with Nike? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. back and the markets are moving higher significantly. We have the Dow Jones up 620 points, NASDAQ up 150, S&P 500 up 64, and the Russ 2K up 44. Meanwhile, the VIX dropping 10%. So what is going on with these markets? Well, it's somewhat hard to explain. There's so much going on at once. We have this debt ceiling issue, increasing inflation, the Fed being quite hawkish, quite a bit of rotation into value names out of growth. So you're seeing quite a bit of weakness and growth while starting to see a lot of strength, especially over there in energy and value names. So it is very exciting stuff going on in the markets. There's a lot of ways to profit from it, Um, but we got to get through the biggest headlines of the day, the biggest analyst calls, and of course, we're going to talk about Nike, a name that has been absolutely getting killed most recently. So we take a look at what is going on with the infrastructure bill. Now, this is going to affect names such as Caterpillar, ticker symbol CAT, is a name that has been moving to the downside quite significantly of late, but... What in the world is going on in Congress? We have this massive spending bill that Democrats are trying to pass. We have this infrastructure bill that's okay. And then on top of that, we have to raise the debt ceiling by, I believe, October 18th. Yesterday, we got a temporary spending bill, so the government was at least open to figure out all this shit. Um, But at the end of the day, what is going on? So we have House Democrats currently holding off passing that bipartisan infrastructure bill, basically threatening um, that they aren't going to pass it unless they get their massive spending spending bill, um, and the progressives are really driving that trend there. Um, but if this if this bill, this infrastructure bill is passed, it's going to put more than $500 billion in new money in the transportation, broadband, and utilities. Now, that's only $500 billion. In my opinion, that's not um, massive at the end of the day, but you might see if the infrastructure bill is passed, a bump in some of those infrastructure-related names um, over there in the industrials and materials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that is definitely going to be an area to take a look at. You want to pay attention to this infrastructure bill um, because there are actually quite Quite a bit of infrastructure-related names that could get a slight bump, $500 billion, and the big scheme of things is not much, though, um, so in my opinion, frankly. Um, if government was serious about an infrastructure bill, it would be probably three times this size, but unfortunately, I don't think they are. They'd rather spend money on a bunch of other things. Speaking of other things, this spending bill that Democrat or the Democratic Party would like to pass um, would basically go for um, to expand paid leave, child care, Medicare, education, green energy, etc. Um, some good things in there, some not. It depends on which side of the uh, fence you're on, um, but at the end of the day, we are not going to get political here. Um, I'm just explaining the you what is going on and that is what's happening in congress pretty much nothing per usual um so we still have quite a bit of things and issues to solve infrastructure and the debt ceiling being two of those now shifting into inflation what's going on in the inflation world what's going on with it well the federal reserve continues to say it's transitory i disagree that is transitory um and i've said that i think part of it's transitory and i think a large majority of it also is not transitory um but that's simply my opinion we take a look and we continue to hit record inflation numbers um the core personal spending or the 
core personal consumption expenditures price index um, increased um, 3.6% in August from a year ago. That's a big time jump. That's the biggest jump in over 30 years, people. That's right. Biggest jump in over 30 years. Highest level since May of 1991. Um, And the Fed, Jerome Powell, he even said at the beginning of this week that those inflationary pressures were, quote, frustrating. Um, So big time uh, Inflation focus, I would say, today as well. So a lot of people using um, some justification of inflation as a reason to rotate into some more inflation-friendly names, which tend to be on the value side of things. Um, But we also see, if we compare the most recent output um, of this personal spending and then core personal uh, consumption expenditures price index, the expectation um, for the increase was 3.5% and the monthly gain was expected to be roughly 0.2%. Instead, it came in at a monthly gain of 0.3% um, and up 3.6%. Um, so it was above those estimates out of Dow Jones. Um, so maybe a little surprise there on the inflation front today. But I figured we'd note that inflation continues to worsen. Um, it's definitely not a net positive, but there are ways to profit from it. There are ways to get around it and there are ways to counter it. Um, And that is what we are here for is to really um, bring the news to you and then tell you how you should position yourself in the market. A lot of people due to this rotating into those value names, um, more inflation friendly names, names that tend to do better under high inflation environments um, And the Dow Jones industrial average holds a lot of those names. That's probably why you're seeing some outperformance out of the Dow Jones today rather than the S&P 500, NASDAQ and Russell. 2K. Um, actually, the Rust 2K is leading the way. Um, I apologize for that, but that's probably why you're seeing some Dow Jones Rust 2K outperformance. Either way, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have RBC initiating coverage of Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, Snap, all as outperformed. Boy, that's big time social media, big tech names all in one call. And they're initiating all of those Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, and Snap as outperformed, saying, quote, with several trillions of dollars of consumer spending expected to shift online in the coming years, we believe digital advertising will be one of the biggest beneficiaries as digital advertising dollars have historically tracked in parallel to incremental e-commerce spending. I 100% agree. So pretty much what they are saying here is that there's all this money, there's all this spending, all this retail spending is going to continue the shift into the digital world. E-commerce continues to take over. And big time players in that space, whether it's advertising or direct, such as Amazon, um, are going to benefit. So your Amazon, your Facebook, your Alphabet, your Snapchat are all going to benefit from this massive e-commerce boost. Um, And that's something to pay attention to. Now, we shift over to a call by more. Morgan Stanley on Disney. Um, and what is Disney? What's going on with Disney at the end of the day? Well, if you take a look currently at Disney's stock price, we see that it's sitting currently up today, 4.5%. It's at 176 bucks per share. Um, it did get hit off of those mid-180s um, on some words from the CEO, Mr. Chapik, which we talked about on Wednesday, uh, Wednesdays podcast episode, but Morgan Stanley reiterating Disney as overweight saying, quote, we see Disney on the short list of global streaming majors. Despite significant continued upward earnings revisions, shares have lagged as net ads expectations ran ahead of content deliveries. As the content pipeline builds in the 2022 and 2023, core net ads should accelerate driving shares. I agree with the statement coming out of Morgan Stanley. That's why I own Walt Disney. 
Full disclosure, also full disclosure, Amazon is a major position of mine as well. I hold Amazon and Disney as two major core positions in my portfolio. I'm bullish on them both. And actually, both of these past two analyst calls that we just went through hit the nail on the head as to partially why I am in the names. Now, shifting into a call by JP Morgan, upgrading Southwest to overweight from neutral. What's happening with Southwest? Well, um, JP Morgan saying, quote, Southwest possesses the industry's deepest track record of profitability, the highest quality balance sheet, and a fiercely loyal customer base. We believe Southwest has ample liquidity to endure the COVID-19 crisis. And at current levels, we think the risk reward is particularly attractive. I take a look at Southwest ticker symbol LUV. And what do I think about the name? Well, it's currently sitting at $54.69, but it is way down over the past, I would say, um, not year. But if you take a look at a six-month chart, this thing has gone all the way from 64 bucks a share down to 54 um, And now it's starting to rally back. So I take a look here um, since September, it has actually been slowly moving back to the upside, which I like to see. Um, in fact, in the past week, the past five days, it's up just over 3%. In the past month, over 10%. But in the past three months, it's only up 1.54%. And I think this thing can continue to move higher. If you take a look at the airlines today, um, at the cruise lines today, at the reopening names today, we used to call them you actually see that they are moving significantly to the upside. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. We take a look at today's movement. I see American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Delta Airlines, United Air, and Spirit Airlines all moving significantly to the upside. On average, I'd say they're all up roughly 5 to 6% um, at the moment as we speak. And this is not just a move you're seeing in airlines. You're seeing this move in cruise lines. You're seeing this move in the resorts. You're seeing this move in the energy names. There is a rotation in this market to the reopening to the value names across the markets. Um, And that is the rotation I believe you are going to continue to see, especially as inflation worsens, as you see yields increase, and as you see the Fed taper over the next 12 months. I would not be surprised to see a massive rotation into value out of tech, since really in the past few months, technology has been leading the way. Those mega cap tech names have been leading the way, and now they're losing leadership in my opinion. I could be wrong on this call, but I think you are going to continue to see a rotation in the near term. Um, and I'm not going to attempt to predict six months out, but I think in the near term, next few weeks, you're going to continue to see this value rotation or rotation into value names. And the airlines are getting sucked into that. Now we take a look at this call by Gunningham, raising their price target on Netflix to 685 bucks per share from 600 saying, quote, as we have previously noted, the company's focus on developing a sustainable global asset base should further strengthen its content development leadership position, driving member growth and pricing power. Now, Netflix is a streaming beast. They're still still the leader in the streaming space, and I think they're going to be for a little bit. Now, I'm bullish on Disney. I think Disney eventually becomes the number one streaming name out there, but right now, Netflix continues to lead the way. They continue to innovate. They're starting to introduce a gaming front, which is very interesting. Um, In Netflix, I do think over the long term moves higher, and overall, I'm bullish on Netflix. I think they continue to be successful and continue to grow, Um, and I'd like to see actually a little more international growth out of Netflix in the coming years, but I like the call here by Gunningham. Now, uh, shifting into one of our last two calls here, Credit Suisse reiterating 
General Motors, they just had earnings actually, as outperformed, saying, quote, with GM set to host its investor day next week, we expect it to highlight its growth opportunities, making the case for multiple expansion. We expect the event to reinforce our positive outlook on GM, though it may take time for investors to more widely underwrite the sum of parts opportunity. Um, now, I like GM for the long term. I think GM is innovating. They're starting to bring in, bring in a lot of EV technology, battery technology. I've always said I still think that Tesla is the leader in the EV space at the moment just based on um, technology-wise or the technology view of things. But I think GM will be a major competitor, and I think they continue to be a major competitor. And I think GM overall is just a solid company. They've been around forever. They've been around for decades. Um, and I think they're going to continue to be a solid company and a solid long-term investment. Now, JP Morgan reiterated Target, and this is our final call, as a top pick, saying, quote, justifying their reiteration as a top pick, saying, quote, from a stock perspective, we are focused on one, names that have continued supportive 2022 recovery dynamics. Number two, companies with near-term pricing power and relatively lower freight risk. And number three, companies that have fewer competitors post-COVID-19 and or are retaining customers with the least share of wallet reversion risk. Target, they continue to recover. Target is one of those names that is just rock solid. They're a consistent grower. You take a look at the stock right now, it's sitting at 228 bucks a share, but it's way off those highs, way over 260. In fact, in just the past little bit here, in the past three months, Target's down 7%. In the past month, it's down 7%. In the past five days, it's down 5%. Um, so some really pretty gnarly numbers there on a performance base. It's falling right into a slight support, ever so slight support at 230 bucks a share. If it breaks that, it could very well move lower. If Target continues to move lower, I think it's an opportunity to jump in on the name. Currently trading at a price to earnings of 18 times, which in my opinion in this market is pretty darn cheap. Now shifting into what in the world is going on with Nike? Nike is one of those names that's an icon. It's an American icon. It's an American brand. It's an American I mean, I would say legend um, in the business world. You take a look at Nike in the just do it terminology is all over America. It's pretty crazy. You can't watch sports without knowing about Nike anymore. I mean, Nike is ingrained in the sports psychology of this country. And I would argue in some areas of the world. So what is going on with Nike? Um, let's talk Nike. Let's talk what the company is doing. Let's talk their performance. Let's talk their most recent earnings. Let's talk their balance sheet management, etc. We're going to get all into it right now. Before we do that, Nike is currently sitting at 147 bucks per share. It currently offers a dividend of 0.275 bucks per quarter. We take a look at the performance in the past three months. It's down 7.45% in the past month, down 10% in the past five days, down 1.17%. So let's get into it. Nike, ticker symbol NKE, if you don't know, is a leading designer, distributor, and marketer of athletic apparel, equipment, footwear, and accessories. The company's core focus is fitness and sports, of which the company's brand is built upon and within, as we all know. Now, sifting through a brief history of Nike, the company was founded in 1964 in Oregon, of which the company is still headquartered. Since then, Nike has adopted new brands, including Converse and Jordan, while expanding into new global regions, including Europe, Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. Now, breaking down Nike's stock price by segment, according to Trefus at Trefus Data, by the way, a great place to get data like this. Trefus, go check them out. Um, 61.7% of the stock price is based on Nike's 
brand footwear segment. Furthermore, 29.7% is based on the Nike brand apparel segment, 3.6% other businesses, 3.4% Nike brand equipment, 0.2% licensing, and 1.6% is based on cash and or net of debt. Now, shifting in the management, Nike is led by CEO and President John Donahoe, who has been a key director since 2014. Donahoe joined the management in 2020 and boasts prior experience from the likes of ServiceNow and eBay, both of which he served CEO, as CEO of um, and led them to quite successful futures or current times. Now, the team behind Donahoe is reliable. Um, They provide the company with wisdom and prior experience from the likes of Disney and Levi Strauss and so many more phenomenal companies. But also what struck me about Nike is that this management team has been together for years. Um, This management team has been together with the company for enough time that a lot of these people are Nike veterans. They've been there for two decades, nearly a few of them. Um, and to me, that offers a lot of wisdom. Nike has come so far in the past two decades. Um, I want those people on that management team because they built the company and what it is now. They know the formula for Nike and they continue to build that brand. Now, in recent news, Nike has experienced major supply chain malfunctions throughout the COVID-19 pandemic that continue to hinder the company. In fact, in the most recent quarterly report, the company reported a continuation of a bottleneck in supply. The company reported that it takes 80 days to transfer product from Asia to North America. Not good. Doubling transit times. Also reporting that pandemic shutdowns in Asia led to 10 weeks of lost production per CNBC. Not good stuff there at all on the production and supply front. Now, on the strategy front, Nike continues to push hard for a direct-to-consumer model, cutting wholesale accounts rapidly, and experts believe that the supply chain issues the company is experiencing now is going to push Nike's transition into digital even further and quicker. They say supposedly that this shortage is basically going to accelerate um, Nike's e-commerce push. Um, And then we had management comment on this e-commerce push saying, quote, digital is increasingly becoming a part of everyone's shopping journey. And we are well positioned to reach our vision of 40% owned digital businesses by fiscal 2020." Chief Financial Officer Matt Fred said, I like it a lot. I like this shift to digital. If you don't adapt, you die. And Nike is adapting. Love to see it. Now, digging into the numbers, earnings numbers, Q1 2022. This kind of was the downside catalyst for Nike in recent weeks. If you dig into these numbers, um, they beat on the EPS front with an EPS of $1.16 for the first quarter of fiscal 2022. Um, that's better than the estimated $1.11, and on a year-over-year basis, EPS improved by 22.11%. No arguing about that EPS whatsoever. Solid number. Now, on the revenue front, Nike reported $12.2 billion in first quarter revenue, representing a solid 16% expansion um, in revenue when compared to Q1 of 2021. Do note, revenue totaled $10.594 billion same time last year, Q1 of 2021. Now, sifting through revenue, below is a segment or segment-by-segment segment metric um, with year-over-year growth of revenue. So I'm going to break down to you where Nike's revenue is all coming from and how the performance is. So in North America, they had $4.8 billion in revenue. That's up 15% year over year. In Europe, the Middle East and Africa, they had $3.3 billion in revenue. That's up 14%. In greater China, nearly $2 billion in revenue, up 11%. In the Asia Pacific Latin America, they had roughly um, $1.5 billion in revenue. That's up 33%. In Converse, um, they had $629 million in the Converse segment um, or brand, and that is up 
12% year over year. So segment by segment, they saw significant revenue jumps. Um, year over year, like to see it all double digits. That's exactly what I want to see coming out of Nike. Furthermore, when breaking down revenue by product, you can see that they also saw by product segment, year-over-year growth in each segment. In footwear, they had $7.7 billion in revenue, up 14% year-over-year. In apparel, $3.45 billion in revenue, that's up 20% year-over-year. In the equipment area, they had $465 million in revenue, up 25% year-over-year. And in the global brand segment, they had $7 million in revenue, up 75% year-over-year. Not a bad quarter. When it comes to revenue gains year over year, like the performance so far on a Nike. Now, rounding out revenues, Nike's digital brand sales increased by 29% year over year, representing strong digital sales growth. Love to see it. Now, shifting into margins, Nike reported an improving gross margin with Q1 2022 gross margin landing at 46.5%. Gross margin, therefore, increased 170 basis points year over year. Leadership noted that margins were pushed by the company's direct business. Love to see it. Now, as for profits, Nike reported $5.696 billion in gross profit. That's a 20% increase year over year in gross profit. I'm not arguing with that whatsoever. Now, rotating in the income, net income, totaled $1.9 billion. That's up 23% year over year. I still have not found the downside catalyst aside from supply chain shortages for Nike here. This so far is seeming like a good opportunity to jump in on an American icon. Now, if finally... Nike ended the quarter with $6.7 billion in inventory and $13.7 billion in cash equivalents, representing flat inventories level but improving cash level. Now, the company also turned out that dividend and share buybacks $742 million in share repurchases as 4.8 million shares, and the dividend increased by 13% year over year. Leadership was upbeat about the quarter, saying, quote, Nike's strong results this quarter are continuing proof of our deep consumer connections, unrelenting innovation pipeline, and a digital advantage that fuels our brand momentum, CEO John Donahoe said. Now, looking to the future, Nike did unfortunately lower its guidance for full year 2022, now expecting mid-single-digit sales growth, a much lower expectation than the previous double-digit growth expectation. There's your downside catalyst. It was a guidance thing. Now, looking to the future, Nike actually has quite a darn solid balance sheet. Not looking to the future. We just looked at the future. Guidance, they lowered their expectations, but they're still going to grow. Um, so you can nitpick it all you want. It's supply chain shortages. Either way, shifting into the balance sheet, the numbers are solid. Total debt, $9.4 billion. Total liabilities, $23 billion. Total assets, $37.9 billion. And a cash short-term investments level of $13.695 billion. If you take a look at the year-over-year comparison of their balance sheet, Assets increased by 14%. Liabilities also widened by 14%. But cash and cash equivalents expanded by 32% year over year. So far, the only negative I got on Nike out of this quarter is supply chain challenges, therefore lowering their outlook on the full year of 2022. That's the only negative. It is a significant negative. But the performance in Q1 and in the past few months out of Nike and the reliability of this management team, so far, all I'm hearing across the board, aside from one thing, is positive after positive after positive. Now, on a valuation basis, Nike, they do trade at a premium. They trade at a price to earnings around 38 times, a forward price to earnings around 20 times, a price to sales around five times, a price to book around 18 times, a price to free cash flow. Free cash flow, by the way, is abbreviated FCF, so you know. Either way, price to free cash flow of 109 times roughly in a peg or a price to earnings growth of right around 2.58 times. 
Overall, yeah, it does trade at a premium, but is this premium outrageous? A price to for, uh, forward price to earnings of 20 times and a price to earnings of 38 times. The stock today moving up just 1.57%. Um, personally, I don't think it's outrageously expensive for the company you are getting. Now, management has been effective with a return on equity of 51.62%, a return on assets of 17%, and a return on invested capital of 22.4%. Give me a break. This company is not bad. I like this company, and so far... The numbers continue to reflect that. Now, the analysts, they're bullish right along with me on Nike. They have a marine price target of 185 bucks. That's roughly a 27% upside from here. They have a high price target of 213 bucks per share and a low of 160. Either way, every single price target is over a 10% gain from the current share price. I mean, I'm not arguing whatsoever. The big money? They're right along with us. In fact, 80.18% of Nike is owned by institutions. Top holders include the Vanguard Group, BlackRock Institutional Trust, and State Street Global Advisors. I like the numbers. I like the metrics. I like the ownership. I like the opinion and the sentiment coming out of Nike in so far. Now, if you want a technical breakdown of Nike, go to runningwiththemoney.com. Under the analysis tab, you'll find all of this information 100% completely free in an easy-to-read article with a technical breakdown, go check it out, runningwiththemoney.com. It's easy to find, runningwiththemoney.com. Now, shifting into investor sentiment, not only what the analysts think, but what the retail traders are constantly talking about on the media, exploring investor sentiment, the bears believe a slowing China growth and supply chain issues are reasons to expect further downside. Meanwhile, on the flip side, the bulls believe Nike's continuing direct-to-consumer shift and short-term outlook on supply chain issues are reasons to stay bullish, and I agree. In short, Nike, ticker symbol NKE, is a leading apparel brand that boasts consistent growth, a strong balance sheet, reliable management team, a loyal customer base, and advancing business strategy to capture future digital growth. Love it all. Now, rotating out of Nike, which we just talked about very quickly, if you missed anything, Listen to it, you know, at half speed or runningwiththemoney.com. You get all of this content, including the graphics, including the helpful graphics, by the way, and the technical breakdown completely free. Go to runningwiththemoney.com ASAP right now, runningwiththemoney.com, or go follow me on Twitter. These threads, these articles are also posted on Twitter at Luke Donay. Now, before we go, I want to look at the overall market, some opportunities I am seeing. Now, I'm going to give you, and I'm going to do something that I normally don't do, a few trades that I am eyeing. Right now, I'm like an Occidental. I'm like in Marathon Oil. I'm like in a few other names, but those are two that I am just hinting at that might be solid. I'm seeing some cup and handle um, patterns play out there that I'm liking, but shifting into an overall performance map, shifting into some possible opportunities we're seeing in this market today. What am I seeing? I'm seeing an Amazon down. I'm seeing healthcare pull back, especially Marina. I'm seeing Shopify and NVIDIA and Qualcomm and AMD. All those companies rock solid, fantastic. Moving to the downside, I'm seeing Square flat after seeing massive declines. I'm seeing PayPal, it's up 1.79% today, but the stock has absolutely gotten clobbered of late, and I am liking PayPal as well. I'm seeing Walmart down, fantastic company. Who in the world knows in today's market why that sucker's down? All the way back down to 137 bucks a share. Oh my goodness, the opportunities are flowing. Touch on Amazon again, that sucker's back under 3300 And I have continued to tell, tell, tell you, episode on episode on episode for months, 
that I like Amazon between 3200 and 3300 If it goes under 3200 holy smokes, roll out whatever you're rolling out and start buying Amazon because I like Amazon. That's a $4,000 stock. And when technology, when the bang names come back in the favor, Amazon is going to lead the way, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. And the earnings numbers, I think, will reflect that new management is going to get it going over there. Tesla, moving to the downside. Lucid, a name that has been very popular in the past few days, especially among the Reddit community. Moving to the downside, 2.3% today. Could be an opportunity there. I see Ford and GM somewhat underperforming the overall market. I see a lot of names moving to the downside. I see a Boeing up 2.72%, but I think that sucker is a buy under 230 in my opinion, and I think it continues to move higher. Either way, disclaimer, I also own Boeing. I have to say that. It's one of my cores. Um, but that is the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast. We'll be back on Monday with another episode to talk the biggest headlines, the biggest names in the market, some opportunities we're seeing, and what in the world is going on with investors. Thank you for listening. Eat, sleep, profit, trade on, and I will see you on Monday.